Welcome to Straight Outta Health IT. Getting into health tech is rough, but here's an unfiltered dialogue of healthcare leaders and influencers covering a wide variety of issues affecting healthcare and the health tech industry. And now your host, Christopher Cuddy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Outta Health IT, where we delve into the intersection of technology and healthcare. I'm your host, Christopher Cunney, and today we're going to explore critical aspects of this issue around how startups and healthcare organizations can effectively operate together and what start helps startup tech companies miss when and have challenges in partnering with healthcare organizations that are helping to inter- introduce innovative technologies. And I'm so excited today to have as my guest uh, a friend, colleague, and a transformational leader, Taylor McPartland, who is the founder and CEO of Scale Health. What is Scale Health? Scale Health is an innovative ecosystem focused on connecting great innovators in the health and wellness space with strategic resources and partners that they need to succeed and the broader community who is in need of their innovation. What a great mission. But who is Taylor as well? Taylor co-founded his very first company in 2010, and so did six years later to focus on empowering entrepreneurs who are addressing society's most systemic challenges. With this in mind, he actually founded Scale Health in 2018 and the Scale Inspire Foundation on the mission of building a global health innovation ecosystem to drive outcomes and accelerate the impact of care. Today, Scale Health supports thousands of innovators, thought leaders, and healthcare organizations all around the world. And again, I'm so excited to have as a guest and to hopefully impart some insights and perspective to those startups who are very interested in being a part of the healthcare ecosystem. And well, here's some do's and don'ts and, and, and things that they can, can leverage to help them be more successful in this space. So first of all, thank you, thank you, thank you, Taylor, for taking time out of your busy schedule. When we're recording this episode, it's actually during the Christmas holidays. So he's actually taking time out of his Christmas holiday to have this conversation with me. And I do appreciate that. And before we begin, also, Taylor, I always ask my guests to, the resume tells a little bit about your story and and who you are, but it doesn't really talk about your journey, your personal, professional journey. And so I really would love for you to spend just a couple of minutes sharing, again, who you are, your personal story, and what led you to really start this vision for Scale Hill. Christopher, thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor to to be a a guest on the podcast, and it's always great to see you. And I'll talk to you on Christmas Day if you want to. It's always oh, good to catch you. up. <laughs> My background is an interesting one. I'll have people comment to me uh, pretty regularly if they look me up on Google or on LinkedIn, and they're saying, you bounced around a lot from a really small town kid to art degree and in college to entertainment and crowdfunding, and then over to now over to the health and health and healthcare world. But for me, I guess those are all on the surface, very different industries and and very siloed. But I think my my passion and my strength is as a creator and is looking at big challenges and big problems and trying to think about who the right people are that we can bring together to solve that problem in a way that drives, drives positive impact and kind of creates this what might start off as kind of a nebulous idea or a right. uh, a theoretical perfect vision in my head and kind of brings that to reality. So 
that's my passion. That's my through line. I got into the entrepreneurial world shortly after I graduated from college. I was an art major in school and graduating during the recession as an art major didn't lead to a lot of immediate job offers. And so I kind of stumbled into the entrepreneurial path really before I probably even thought about it as a, a formalized career. But right. I was fortunate to go down that path and meet some supportive and equally passionate co-founders and some early investors that were willing to kind of see this. Yeah, the rough unmolded clay that I was and and then also fortunate to to be in Southern California at what was a pretty exciting time for the the LA tech community. You know, we'd we'd had MySpace here not too long before and some of the the founders of that had then gone on to start other things. And so there was a lot of good young energy and excitement. And it was great. I think that, you know, and at that time, more the Bay Area, more seasoned, established startup ecosystems, I might not have been as successful because there were a lot of open doors and a lot of people just talking. And so I was fortunate enough to get a company up and off the ground and learn as I went along, learned a lot and stepped away from that in in 2016. And then kind of my journey going from a a 20 something founder to then a 30 something founder. By the time I was starting to think about what had become scale health, I was I'd met who now is my wife and started to kind of go through some personal growth and starting to think about what is what mark do I want to have on the world? And I really became very passionate about Although I didn't have a, a healthcare background, I be- became really passionate about these big challenges, as you said, the systemic challenges that affect each and every one of us every single day. And healthcare and, and our own personal health and wellness is really at the top of that list. Right. It, and it's certainly in everybody's even, lives as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I thought, what can I do not having a medical background and certainly knowing there's a lot about this industry that I don't understand and that a lot of people don't understand? Like, what role can I play that can positively impact it? And so our the thesis for scale health was to really say, well, let's let's get all of the right stakeholders around the table and let's get the outside the box innovators and let's get the investors and let's get the government and let, let's get the health systems and the community members and let's all start pulling on the same end of the rope. But if we can right. do that in a way, then if we can all sit around that table, scale health can be that table that the future of this industry is can be built on. And we're not all siloed and we're not all using the same words, but all pulling in different sure. directions. And bringing in those diverse perspectives to the table as well, too. And I, to your point, I think that's what had been missing for so long is just bringing the different lenses to the table and, and their perspectives and, and finding ways to effectively collaborate because the mission at the end of the day is really the same for us all, right? We want to have long, healthy lifestyles. And if we have to engage the healthcare system, we want it to be clear and transparent and we want it affordable and we want to have the best care possible for the people that we love. And we want to understand, we want to understand the options that are available to us as well. I did want to comment though, you mentioned your your journey from being an art major now into being a tech entrepreneur. Interesting enough, I'm almost in the reverse, quite honestly. I was a, all my career for the most part has been on the technology side. But now I'm venturing into the art side. So I've always been passionate about art. I've always painted and drawn and I played saxophones. I've got that right and left brain function thing as well, too. So I'm actually launching my whole art business as well, too. All my artwork that I've been doing since. I love it. 
that's the pandemic as well, too. It's on its way. Stay tuned, audience. I'll be launching my art, my digital art gallery soon to show that side of me as well, too. So I've been a little reluctant to that. So I'd love to share some of my work with you and get your perspective on it as well. But that's not what we talk about today. We could talk about that all day long. And also... We got to talk about the sax also. I played alto for quite a few oh, years. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah, we do have a lot of talk to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I played saxophone from sixth grade in high school. I went sixth grade in elementary through college as well, too. So beautiful. Every now and then I pull it out and see if I still have some chops. But again, that's not what we're here for today. Another topic for another day. I, I do want to, you know, to pick your brain because to your point, Scale Health has been extremely successful. I've watched its growth and its impact on the market. And it's and I applaud you and your team for your success there. And you've had the opportunity to interact with a wide variety of players in this space, both startups and uh, health systems, academic institutions, government agencies, as you said. And you have seen kind of the good, bad, and ugly of, uh, of startups and how they've engaged with these organizations and vice versa, how the health systems have engaged with startups or in some cases not engaged. I'm just curious from your perspective, it's really no secret that healthcare, the industry itself is really ripe for innovation. And it's nice to have people from the outside bring that lens to the table because we can look at things out of the box. And I think to some degree, the industry is, is eager to explore these cutting edge solutions, but also a little reluctant and apprehensive about investing in some as well. And so it's a very complex kind of ever-evolving ecosystem. And I think one of the things that I'm excited about is to see the number of startups start to bring innovation uh, to the table. But also they don't, in some cases, don't always appreciate the ecosystem that does exist in healthcare. Because it's a very interesting and complicated one and has it, and it's full of nuances as well. But it's extremely important. For example, it's a very heavily regulated industry. There's a lot of standards, there's a lot of patient safety concerns, et cetera. I'm just curious from your perspective, what are some of the thoughts or common themes that you've seen that startups don't really understand or appreciate about how they go about offering their solutions or selling their solutions into healthcare organizations? Great question. Great question. I think a lot of my a lot of my thoughts around this topic is my my through line here is going to be a lot around communication and transparency, because I think that's where we have gaps on both sides. Right. Uh, we have from the innovator, entrepreneur, outside in perspective, and then also from the healthcare, health system, decision maker, inside, outside. I will also, I'll plug the caveat that I think one thing I particularly love about this industry is that, and Christopher, you called it out, that there is so much, everyone that I know in this industry is in this industry because of a a personal story or a personal passion for exactly. it. And on both sides, there is no lack of dedication. There's no lack of effort, of passion, of intelligence, of excitement for what's possible. And I think that's what I, what draws me to it. That's what sure. I, I love about it. And so I, all of my criticism comes from a place of, okay, we not that there's not a lack of trying, but how can we bring these sides together to be able right. to accelerate what we all want to see exactly. happen? And have an appreciation for the different perspectives. I have an appreciation yeah. for how healthcare thinks and operates and also have an appreciation for the out-of-the-box thinking that innovation and startups bring to the table too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one of the, to that point, one of the big challenges that startups run into is not really understanding the complexity of the industry. But understanding in theory, knowing that the healthcare industry is is huge and right. 
hospitals or health systems can, in many cases, are, are huge bureaucratic entities, but really kind of drilling into the minutia and trying to think, okay, if, if I'm a startup, I'm just going to you know, bang on the front door of the, the CEO of the health system right. until they hear my pitch. And exactly. a lot of times that CEO might not, while they, while they have the title of decision maker, might not be the one to have the information to know what's right or wrong. That's um, right or have the budget for that particular need. So really kind of understanding, is this a, who do I need to be talking to? How do I build the right relationship? How do I find the right internal champions? How can I, how can I communicate in the right way to convey that value? Because I think the, another big issue that a lot of startups run into is just not really understanding the, the reasoning behind buying the solution and the potential sure. overlapping, made of challenges or operational flows that might be impacted by a new system, this new system. We talk to startups all the time at Scale Health who have a really good idea and a really good product that is in many cases on its own objectively better than the status quo that might already be being used. And maybe they're able to cut X process from 30 minutes down to 15 minutes and save a certain amount of money per month or per year. But is that delta enough and to right to change yeah to make that change and you know, what are the impacts of that from a training standpoint from a a workflow standpoint and being able from a startup for a startup to really be able to think through all of those hesitations or right. blocks and think about okay how can i create my product so that maybe it can fit in more seamlessly. We pilot it more quickly. Can we do it in such a way that it doesn't require a, a physician of 50 years to totally change right. how they've been doing something? That's a big challenge. No, it is. And I share a lot of times with startups and even existing technology companies is you have to understand and appreciate the impact of the error rate on your tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the impact when your technology fails? And are you prepared to own and take on that responsibility? Because these technologies that you're now asking clinicians to use these technologies to save people's lives. Is your technology robust? The efficacy of it is high enough that a clinician is willing to risk someone's life on the use of. You also prepare to stand beside that clinician in that waiting room with that loved one and say to them, I'm sorry, I couldn't save their life. Because I use this technology and yet it's got a 0.0001 error rate to it. But guess what? You drew the short straw. (laughs) That's right. And your loved one is now no longer here because the technology failed them. You have to understand you're now in the business of saving people's lives or taking their lives if your Mm -hmm. technology doesn't work properly. And that's probably the biggest apprehension that most clinicians in particular will have about switching from technology, even going from a manual process to an electronic process. When I walk into a patient's room and I write something on a chart, I can come back an hour later and what I wrote was still there. Now, it may not be, a, you know, it may not be the most accurate condition that the patient is in an hour later, but it is what I wrote an hour before. It's not always comfortable that if I enter something into this black box, that I can come back an hour later and get access to it, or if it's exactly what I put in before. And you have to ensure that whatever the technology you're bringing to bear, that it has a higher level of efficacy than what they're currently doing today, whether it's a manual process or some sort of existing technology that they've accepted the error rate around, or they're comfortable with the fact that it has a high level of efficacy as well. 
And also, I mean, that dealing with patients' lives is obviously like the pinnacle of what we're all trying to do. But right. even even one you know, one or two steps below that, we know the turbulence from a, all the budgetary turbulence yes. and, and the cutbacks in this industry. Am I, as a mid-level decision maker in a health system, do I want to why should I put my job online? Yes. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. The bat for this technology, if it doesn't meet the RI you said it will, what's the impact to my livelihood as well? And then there's the technical aspects of it as well, too. I mean, one of the big challenges you have in healthcare, obviously, again, it's a very heavily regulated organization. We have all these issues around interoperability and, and data sharing being a significant barrier around that. What are some of the other things from your perspective that startups may not always appreciate or fully understand in terms of the reluctance around adoption? I think it's kind of building off of the last question and just thinking about the what is the true incentive for this person or for this decision maker? Are they specifically in health systems where the margins are th- so thin? That's right. Uh, maybe it's a, a rural system, a smaller system. Is there incentive to try to keep patients coming in their door is their incentive to make money, save money, obviously save lives and improve the quality of care. Like what really is that bottom line? What are they, you know, in the past we've talked about football. Like what is that, what can they spike the football on with your technology and say, hey, that was good. That was what we wanted to see. I talked to one health system, rural health system decision maker that said, you know, I'm eager to explore a partnership with a startup that will drive revenue into our health system that won't add any burden or time to our providers and our physicians. If a startup can be in those crosshairs, let's have a conversation. But it's a lot of that transparency. It's like the startup also needs to know that's what the goal is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes startups are bringing solutions to bear that healthcare systems don't see as immediate problems. And and I Mm -hmm. think, wait, yeah, that it may solve a problem, but is it an immediate pain point for that organization? And will it have a direct ROI, whether it's improving patient outcomes, reducing operational um, costs and improving more efficiencies, addressing clinician burnout and satisfaction, improving patient engagement, all the kind of burning platforms that exist today. If it's not, and oh, by the way, it's not going to create more cognitive overload for my clinicians to use it as well, too. And there's there lies the challenge and the opportunity, I think, for a, a lot of startups in, and I'd say emerging technology companies as well, too, because I think there's existing companies who've been around forever that still struggle with this in healthcare, too, that are trying to uh, hitch their wagon to this ecosystem. I think also one of the things that many startups and, again, emerging tech companies struggle with is understanding the, life, the sales life cycle, right, in healthcare. You're not going to come in, in many cases, and sell a solution in the first three to four weeks or months or whatever. The sales cycle in healthcare can be long and arduous. Requires a lot of relationship building and credibility building and commitment to, are you really committed to this industry? Or are you here just to make a buck? I always used to tell companies I advise that healthcare leaders can snip out someone who's not really committed to the mission of healthcare. And, they'll, and once they do, they'll put that vendor kryptonite up and you won't get any business. And so you have to truly be committed to the mission of healthcare. And you have to could be committed to the time it takes to build the relationships and credibility around that. So I'd just be curious your perspective on that as well. I think you're spot on. It's, I've really begun to appreciate this, I think, over the last six to 12 months, just the level of 
relationship and trust and the human trust right. that's required to go in, not even talking about the policies and compliance mm-hmm. you know, requirements, but just that person to person trust. I, I've talked to a number of been in the room with decision makers who will be having a conversation and they'll be a will say, oh, do you know Christopher Cunningham? Oh, I do too. And then right. they fire off a text right there and say, hey, what do you think about this Taylor guy? And from a from an innovator standpoint, what's Christopher going to say about me? And right. if he says, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> right. My, my meeting's going to end pretty fast. That's um, right. And I use the term too, and I, I don't want it to necessarily be a negative term. It can be in some cases, but culture has what I call kind of a herd mentality or bird mentality in that when if a company comes in and introduces a product that a healthcare system likes, they're going to tell or said, I'm using this technology. And nine times out of 10, that health system will start to use that technology. And the next one will start to use it. And before you know it, everybody's moving down the same path. Go The herd is all going in the same direction in the use of certain platforms. We can see that with certain EHRs that are in the market and other platforms similar to that as well, that everyone's kind of moving down the path of one or two or three types of platforms or systems because for the most part, They've earned the credibility and those organizations have talked to their counterparts about those solutions and they've saying they're adding value. And now they're eliminating all the outliers and focused on those solutions that their counterparts have been comfortable with as well, too. And so I kind of call it the herd or bird mentality. We all kind of move down the same path based on certain technologies have been proven out. I think you're spot on. And, and from a startup standpoint, there's a lot of opportunities to play that to an advantage. I see over and over again, startups that are eager to sell and, and rightly so eager to sell into the Mayo's, the Cleveland's, right, the, right. the Kaiser's. And when I talk to those, those team members, they're saying, you know, a startup first, second or third pilot from a startup, it's going to take two or three years. And exactly. even if we sign that deal, we, you might bleed dry before you, you're able to actually see any long term value there. Uh, On the flip side of that, there are so many, and you and I both know this, there are so many amazing, innovative, forward-thinking executives at these independent, smaller health systems that they might not be getting the keynote at a big conference, so they might be a little bit harder to find. Right. But they are eager to get creative and kind of get their hands dirty and say, I'll be your, you might need to meet me on price, so we might need to co-develop something a little bit, but I would love to be a first or second pilot, and let's... And, all, and then all, if it works, I'll sing it from the rooftops. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even just the overall governance process, and some of those organizations still have to go through a very bureaucratic, laborious process of getting them qualified to be able to partner with them or to purchase their technologies. And that can take months as well to make that happen. And also, if you don't understand what their budgeting cycle looks like for the year, if you've missed that, they may have already made commitments on where they're going to spend their dollars on technologies for the coming year. And so you've got to wait another year and invest another time with building relationships and starting to tee up your technologies to be considered for investment in future budgeting cycles too. So it's definitely to the startup's benefit to really understand that if they get in this game, they got to get in it for the long haul. They've got to make sure that they're invested in the industry as well too. It's not just knocking on doors, but going to conferences and part of associations and being engaged in the local healthcare ecosystems that they're a part of and supporting them as well to start to get that brand name recognition and 
to build those relationships so that when the opportunity does present itself, these leaders can see that they are not just trying to sell a product, but they're actually committed to the mission of the industry itself. Completely agree. One of the, obviously, one of the big issues, and we see this on a day-to-day basis, is data privacy and security. Obviously, there are regulations that govern the the need to secure, protect patient data, but also there are bad actors out there, right, who are trying to take advantage of the vulnerabilities that exist in our technology infrastructure to, in many cases, hold that data ransom or get access to data and sell it on the black market or just be disruptive in, in environments as well, too. Just curious about as you engage with startups and emerging tech companies, what are you sharing with them or, or how are you making sure, helping them understand that they need to make sure that what they bring to the market will address those concerns that healthcare systems about protecting data, patient data? It's central for us at Scale Health. And it just to kind of take a step back on, on what we do a little bit, but we aim to bridge that gap and really work with health systems to understand which solutions out there best meet their needs. And so we often will sit down ahead of time when we're working with a a new health system partner and really understand beyond the table stakes, what is their their security standards and their requirements? What's their procurement process look like? How buttoned up? Like what, what, what is a must have and what is a nice to have and what is a need to have and, you know, from a, a policy procedures, regulatory standpoint. And we do constant assessing of and we work with thousands of startups all around the world. We do constant assessing of those startups on those standards. And so we'll talk to them ahead of time, either proactively, if we maybe there's a, a startup that we feel like is a, a really strong fit or yeah. a, a preferred a, a really good opportunity, we'll go to them and say, your information security is out of whack. Where it needs to be, we think you could be a great fit for this health system because apart from this one metric, you're right. fantastic. But we can't make that intro because it's going to be an immediate no, you're too risky. We'll get in the middle there and, and try to smooth that out. Or conversely, we do a lot of educating of startups because a lot of the times they, it is such a, and rightfully so, it is such a, a complex process, the security side of things that we try to get in front of that with startups and say, okay, here's what you need to have right out of the gate. It's exactly. not that expensive. Once you understand it, it's not that complicated, but you need to have your house in order a little bit before right. you can start having conversations. And then there's a lot, they start to bring in more revenue or raise more money. Here's where you need to be investing B, C, and D. But step one, you need to have this documentation lined out and share it with us. We'll review it. We'll right. we'll give it our, our stamp of approval or our, we'll give it our feedback. And then we'll be in a much better position to say, you know, are you X ready health system time? in Kentucky, you should talk to sure. the startup. They're ready to go. And also understanding that there's a litigious nature to this as well. Mm-hmm. Accountable as well, just that that healthcare provider, if there was a security breach and you were seen as a business or positioned as a business associate, and that breach occurred because of weaknesses or, and gaps in your technology infrastructure as well, too. So it's not only just checking that box, to meet the healthcare systems demand, but federal requirements also are going to mandate that you meet these security requirements as well, too, and you can be held accountable and penalized if there are uh, willful neglect or negligence there as well. I'm just curious, too, around this concept of going direct with your product and white labeling as well, too. I think one of the con- challenges that help the startups have 
is the credibility piece, right? Who you are, I've never heard of you before, and I'm not comfortable maybe investing in your technology because I'm not sure if you're going to be around three or four or five years from now. And so is there any value in considering white labeling your technology and letting a much larger, much more stable entity who has credibility seeing the marketplace use your technology under their brand to start establishing yourself as a viable player? I think the the risk of a startup going out of business in the middle of or immediately after contracting or middle of an implementation, that's a huge risk. That's probably the number one risk that we hear, even more so than the security. It's, is this startup going to be, are they going to capture my heart? And then I'm going to put, like you said, I'm going to put my neck out there right. uh, to implement them. And then what happens if they go, and what if, what if I don't get enough lead time? What if I only you know find out a week or so ahead? And now I'm scrambling to just try to cobble a process together when there's jobs and, and lives at That's stake. Great. And so I think that anything... First off, we we do it's at Scale Health. We do run a very similar process to de-risk startup solutions from a financial traction standpoint, similar to what we do on the um, regulatory and compliance and security side. So we do our best to be able to say this company is you know, scoring a ninety-five out of a hundred. They're going to be around. They've they've got great revenue. They've raised a lot of money. They're a safe bet. But I think anything to further mitigate that risk is worth exploring, especially for a startup that might be in talks with a Mayo that could take three or four years, but you know, they only have that one year of runway. What can they do to make sure that they're going to be around long enough in some form or fashion to get that flywheel to turn? Because once it gets turning, it's almost as hard to slow it down as it is to get That's a move right. in the first place. <laughs> and then the other issue there is, can you scale? Let's say you've gotten that proof of concept going and now they want to roll this out to all 50 or the hospitals across the country. Now, yeah. Prepared to now scale and be able to provide those tech, that technology to the entire ecosystem as well. Absolutely. Nearing the end of the conversation, I knew it would go quick as it always does, and especially with great guests like you. <laughs> um, I, I did want to kind of flip the script a little bit in terms of what is Scale Health doing to really educate healthcare systems on the value of partnering with innovative companies as well? Because again, a lot. We talked earlier, some of them are reluctant to wanting to make this type of investment. What would you tell a health system that is struggling in a specific area? Maybe you have a case study or two you can share some examples of, but they were reluctant or have been reluctant to invest in innovation. Just what's your elevator pitch around that? For us, we aim to be that de-risking partner right. and we aim to save time and money on both sides. And so if we can get in the middle and... My elevator pitch to a health system is really just sitting down and understanding what's keeping them up at night. Sure. And what is the what is the requirements? What does that perfect world solution look like? If they're laying there in bed and they're going, I wish this solution exists. I'm sure it exists. Probably one of the 10,000 emails in my inbox and one of the 5,000 LinkedIn messages that right. I have. No one on my team has 10 minutes to talk to each one of these exactly. these vendors, but I know one of them is right. I'm sure one of them is right, or at least close. What is, how can I find the signal in the noise there? Right. How can I take that 15,000 inbound leads and narrow it down to the, the five or the 10 that are, are really worth my time sure. that are best, not necessarily the best, because I might not be able to afford the best, right. but the best for best value my unique needs right. yeah and right. maybe i'm a 
I'm an independent system. I've got English as a second language, dual eligible communities. Right. We run into broadband issues, the elderly sure. population, whatever the case might be. High Medicaid population, blah, 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 you name it. Yeah. Right? That solution might look very different than a solution that has never worked with that type of a population before. <laughs> and so we, at Scale Health, we aim to kind of get in the middle there. We really do use that phrase of finding the signal and the noise. And so as an, as an example, we just wrapped up an initiative with an amazing organization that you and I both know, Chime, that we've done a lot of work with. And this, we did an initiative with them that was all around workforce solutions. Right. And so we had about nine health systems from within Chime came to us and we really pattern matched what their unique requirements were and what they, when they were thinking about work, their workforce needs, whether that be retention, whether that be AI enabled productivity, what was keeping them up at night and what what was their unique perfect solution? And then we boiled all of that through our platform. We boiled all that down to a series of assessments that we then ran a bunch of startups through and then we ranked them all. We delivered that report back to Chime and we had a number of uh, finalists that were brought out and were able to you know meet right. some members of the Chime community. And, and really we were able to say, these are not, we're not picking winners and losers. We're trying to what matches are really right. worth a follow-up conversation for you right, right now? And we do that quite a bit. We work very closely with large and small systems and plans across the country. And our whole hope is that we can de-risk and destigmatize that concept of innovation. So sure. it's not necessarily it's not necessarily like I have to work with the the organization that everyone else works with, even though it might break my bank. At the same time, I don't want to work with that two people in a garage startup right. that might cost me my job. Exactly. How do I find that middle ground? And that's where we hope to play. Sounds great. Well, as I had said earlier, I knew the time was going to fly. And I, I want to thank you so much, Taylor, for sharing your insights and thoughts today. As I wrap this conversation up, that marriage of technology and healthcare is really a very promising frontier, but it does require some you know, nuances and how we understand both tech startups and health systems and how they can play and interplay together effectively. There's all sorts of issues that each have to deal with, whether it's compliance or interoperability or long sales cycles or uh, credibility building and relationship building to just educating and collaborating. No, these challenges are adjustable. We're mm -hmm. the beauty about it and working with companies like Skill Help to help them navigate that, I think, is, is the right approach. So I commend you on the vision that you had to start this organization and, and the work that you're doing to bring us all together. So if someone was interested in learning more about Scale Health and what you guys do, or plugging into that ecosystem, I'm a startup, emerging tech company, or I'm a, a health system that's wanting to innovate, how would they reach out to you guys? The easiest way would be scalehealth.com. And we're a, a free ecosystem for innovators and thought leaders and health organizations to start getting involved and getting engaged. And I would definitely ask anyone listening to join us there and kind of see more about what we do. Also, I'm always available on LinkedIn. And my email is just taylor at scalehealth.com. And so happy to, to chat further if anyone has any questions. I hope you guys heard a very important word he used in there, and that was a free ecosystem. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right? As you startups are you know, trying to manage your budgets and health systems that have limited resources, understand that this is a place where you can get plugged in without a huge amount of investment of other than time and commitment to find the right types of relationships uh, going forward. So 
again, thank you, thank you, thank you, Taylor, for taking time out your schedule to chat with me and my my listeners. It's a wrap. Stay tuned for more conversations at the intersection of technology and healthcare. Thank you again for continuing to listen. Let's make this particular episode go viral. So please share it with friends, family, and loved ones, and even those folks you're not too crazy about. It's <laughs> from this as well. Take care. God bless. And I'll see you on the other side. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Straight Outta Health IT. We hope you enjoyed today's guest. For more unfiltered dialogue of healthcare leaders and influencers, be sure to tune in next week. For the show notes, transcripts, and resources, please visit Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite streaming platform. We invite you to give us feedback by reaching out to Christopher Cuddy on LinkedIn, just searching for Straight Outta Health IT, and you'll find us. We are constantly having live discussions about diverse topics in the industry. 